Welcome to Straight Talk for Real Life, produced by Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Everyone, no matter who you are or where you're listening from, wants a happy and healthy life. And for good reason. It seems that when we're happy and healthy, we're more successful and life's just simply better. So what are the keys to happiness? Aristotle said happiness depends upon ourselves, and there's something to be said for that. Today we'll look at the science behind a few simple habits that can make a difference in your life. Is true happiness within your reach? Stick around. You'll be happy you did. Hi there, I'm Bob Peacock. Welcome to Straight Talk for Real Life. A famous American writer and lecturer named Dale Carnegie once said, happiness isn't what you have or who you are or where you are. It's not about what you're doing that makes you happy or unhappy. It's what you think about. Today, we're going to be talking about the connection between gratitude, compassion, and self-care, and how, if we intentionally build these three habits into our daily lives, it can lead to things like better physical and emotional health, improved sleep, stronger relationships, and more happiness overall. Now, I know this subject may seem a little warm and fuzzy for some people, but today I assure you we're not only going to focus on what you can do to experience more happiness in your life, but we'll talk about the real science behind why it works. To help us unpack this subject, we welcome Dr. Brad Shuck, who is an internationally recognized expert in the areas of engagement, leadership, and employee health and well-being. He's currently working with several other scholars in the United States on a grant studying gratitude with the John Templeton Foundation. Brad is a tenured associate professor and program director of the Human Resource and Organizational Development Program at the University of Louisville in Kentucky. His research on four continents has been featured in Forbes, The Washington Post, Time Magazine, as well as Business World Online and The Hindu Times. Brad, welcome. Bob, thank you so much. I am so excited to be joining you to talk about these topics of gratitude, compassion, and self-care. What a time to be digging in to these ideas. So one of your primary areas of, of research is positive psychology, and I know that includes practices like gratitude and compassion and self-care. And I just mentioned your work uh, with the John Templeton Foundation. Yeah. How important... Our gratitude, compassion, and self-care just to our overall happiness. You know, Bob, no matter where you're listening at in the world, and we've been so fortunate to share our research across the globe, what we have found is that things like gratitude, compassion, practicing things like joy and happiness and love, and even recognizing other people, those things are the currency. Those are the, it's the, that's the currency of happiness. And when we think about overall life satisfaction, the research has just been really, really clear for us. I mean, over the past decade, there has been an explosion of, of really uh, neural brain activity, uh, social science activity uh, in, in the fields of behavioral economics around the importance of things like practicing gratitude, happiness, compassion and self-care and it's just been over and over again the research has reliably suggested that these things are the currency of happiness and i'm curious how has the pandemic 
affected mm. gratitude and compassion. I would expect that people would display more gratitude and compassion in the in the face of an epidemic or a traumatic event because it seems that crises often brings out the best in people. Is that right? You know, I, I can speak from my own personal experience that um, I've been much more aware over the last eight months, nine months around about my surroundings. And it, it took a little while. I mean, it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns when we first started off. And I, and I want to make sure that that we, we're not painting a picture that, well, we just have to be happy about everything. But it it's about not allowing those things like uh, like anger or guilt or frustration to weigh us down and pull us back from experiencing the real fullness of life. And the pandemic has brought that to the forefront and has really highlighted opportunities for people. I mean, we can think of countless stories uh, across the world where people have extended themselves by recognizing others, by ex- uh, expressing gratitude and and being more compassionate human beings. And the impact that that has had on the world, I I hope it's a ripple effect that we feel for decades and decades to come. Absolutely. So let's break down these three practices so we can take a closer look. Starting with gratitude, there have, have been so many studies that show that being rich, having money doesn't buy you happiness. In fact, Oprah Winfrey said, be thankful for what you have and you end up having more. How has gratitude been studied, and what's the science behind its connection to happiness? You know, uh, there has just been um, so many research studies that have uh, populated over the last decade, and things like um, how men and women express gratitude, the impact of things like gratitude interventions, like such as maybe keeping a gratitude journal or, or writing thank you notes or recognizing another employee or recognizing somebody within my family unit, and how that impacts things like neural activity and brain scans. And it's amazing. If you look at the research on this, the way that the brain lights up when we're expressing and gratitude is um, is is palpable in, in the way that the brain um, responds to things like happiness and joy and gratitude, and it's been studied on so many different populations. It's it's been pretty incredible. And over the last decade, some things that we've learned, research based, really like grounded evidence, has been that when people express things like gratitude, there's lasting happiness. It's not just in the moment happiness, but people say that they're happier six months down the road. There's a sense of reduced stress. People. They just sleep better at night. There's overall life satisfaction. They they tend to report healthier physical and mental well-being. They work harder. They're more likely to be engaged. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. The benefits of practicing gratitude, they're, they're rich in life. And, and I, I agree with you, and I agree with Oprah here, that it isn't about having money or having possessions, but it's about living in the present moment. Noticing what's around us and living in that with gratitude for what we have right now. That seems to be game changer. And is, is it something that comes natural or is it something that we need to practice? I do think there are pieces of gratitude that naturally present themselves to us in life where we uh, we see something, someone needs something, there's an opportunity. And, and I think we have a natural inclination to respond to that. But there's no question about it that gratitude is a discipline and it's something that needs to be practiced over time. We In our research around employee engagement and recognition, we talk about the idea of the cumulative effect. And Gratitude doesn't operate like a light switch, like you don't turn it on, you don't turn it off. But really, the cumulative effect is grounded in three easy principles. And 
Bob, to be honest with you, they're, they're so pedestrian, they're so everyday that, that we can miss them. But those three principles are this. The, the cumulative effect in, in most of our life is governed by the things that are, number one, easy to do and easy not to do, grounded in those things that work for us or that work against us. And number three, it feels really sudden, but it's actually a gradual build over time. So think about it. Gratitude is something that is easy to do. But, you know, we mentioned earlier in a pandemic, it would be really easy to focus on the things that we don't have or the things that aren't going well or or the opportunities that I've missed. But it would be it would be easy to then refocus that and say, gosh, I should refocus in these areas or look at what I have. For example, my own family, you know, I get to spend my days with my wife and my daughter and those things, those thoughts, they work for us. And at some point, we begin to build a practice and a life of gratitude that feels sudden. We look back and we go, gosh, I'm such a grateful, I'm such a compassionate person. I, I feel this way. But it was really a gradual build over time that is about the little decisions and the little behaviors that we do on an everyday basis. Right. We often hear this term of grateful living, where you're not kind of looking at gratitude as a one-time feeling of appreciation, but grateful living is kind of a way to live your life. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. It really is about living in the present. And and for some of us that may be listening, um, sometimes feelings of shame or guilt or regret, they really hold back what it means to live a life of gratitude. And it means having gratitude in this present situation right now. And for some, it means healing from things like we need to forgive someone or we need to let something go in our past so that we can live in this particular moment. This is all about a disciplined habit of living life from a grateful perspective versus a a loss perspective. There's a principle in behavioral economics called loss aversion. And loss aversion simply says this, that it's twice as painful to lose something than it is to gain something. Mm. So I want to think think about that for a minute, that when we lose something, when we're focused mentally and emotionally in the past on the things that never happened or the things that we regret or feelings of shame and guilt, those things are twice as painful. But when we can psychologically reframe our mind to a place of gratitude where we're looking toward the present and living in the future, we're able to live a life of gratitude. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows I love TED Talks. And I watched this this really insightful TED Talk by David Steindl Rast, who is an American Catholic Benedictine monk. And he said, and I quote, even when we're confronted with something that is terribly difficult, we have an opportunity to rise to the occasion and respond by learning. So in other words, being grateful needs to become so instinctive that whenever negative things happen, we're already thinking about the things that we're grateful for. There might be many people who are really skeptical that practicing gratitude will will have any impact on their lives at all? What would you say to them? And what are some things that we can do to to live gratefully and start to create that attitude of gratitude? Yeah, one of the one of the organizations that I I get an opportunity to do a lot of work with we we teach something a technique called hunting for the good stuff when you when you hunt for the good that is around you and these kinds of techniques are. Uh, shown over and over again to reduce stress, lower anxiety, and reduce 
depression. Now, it isn't about ignoring the things that aren't going wrong. It isn't about, uh, again, rainbows and unicorns and just hoping everything's going to be okay. But it's not allowing those things to hijack your emotions and subsequently hijacking your state of mind. We know that emotions are an open loop system. And so we feed off of those. And the others that are around us, they feed off of those as well. You know, some of the other things that we might recommend in terms of hunting for the good stuff is um, uh, keeping a gratitude journal. Uh, It's something that I do in my, my own life where I simply sit down and I'll write down two or three things every day that I'm just really grateful for. And those, there's no judgment around it. There isn't, I'm not trying to look for something deeply insightful. Some days I'm just really grateful for a cup of coffee, but other days I'm really grateful that I can hear my daughter laugh or that, uh, that I have a warm house or that, uh, a work opportunity presented itself. There's, uh, there's other things like practicing joy versus resentment. This is something we try to practice at the university and in the team that I get to serve. Sometimes it can feel when somebody accomplishes something, sometimes we can feel a little bit of resentment, like, well, I could do that too. Or why did they get that opportunity? Or how did they win that award? And instead, what I've encouraged our faculty to do is to push pause on that feeling, to push pause on that judgment or that resentment and really have joy in the moment. Other kinds of things are like volunteer. Volunteer operationalizes the actual practice of gratitude and compassion, and it extends it out to other people. The other, in a workplace setting, another, uh, another technique would be to recognize somebody. To, to reach out and say thank you, uh, to send a quick email, to, um, to allow somebody to live in the joy that you might provide for them in that moment, that you may be the only person that week or that month or, gosh, Bobby, even that year that, says, that stops to say, I notice you, I recognize you, I appreciate you. And those kinds of things, those are the currency of engagement and compassion and performance. And they help us not only work better, but they help us live better lives through our work. You mentioned gratitude journals. A study of uh, participants with heart disease uh, was asked to start keeping gratitude journals, and it actually increased their heart health and quality of sleep. From a scientific standpoint, why? Why does that work? Well, I think it's because of the impact of stress on our body. And there's been a lot of research that's come out over the last two decades where we've really dug into the physiological impact of stress. Now, stress is something that oftentimes we can't see. And so we can't go to uh, the store and buy it. We can't go out and get more of it. But stress physically impacts our body through the way that our body produces chemicals like dopamine and serotonin. And it rewires our brain to think in certain ways or to be in certain moments present. And when we are stressed and we're chronically stressed, that impacts our physical body and things like our heart. And I would imagine it would impact the way uh, our blood pressure, the way that we sleep at night, the way that the physical pain that we might feel manifested in our body. I've talked to participants in some of our research studies over the last couple of years, and they've told me that they've worked in places where their life has been such that it's just been chronically stressful. And they would complain of things like, I feel actual pain manifested in my body, or I'm unable to go to sleep at night because I can't shut my brain down. There's no question of the impact of stress on things like the way that the heart functions in our bodies. Okay, that's the the first key, gratitude. Let's move to compassion. You have a great analogy that you use to explain what compassion is. Yeah, you know, I, I like to 
to think about the idea of compassion like it's an umbrella. And if you and I, Bob, uh, if you were walking down the street and it was pouring down rain outside and you had an umbrella, but I did not have an umbrella. You and you know me, right, Bob, we're friends, right? You would come up beside me and you would put your arm around me and you would share your umbrella with me. Now, here's the thing about that. You didn't judge me in that moment. You didn't say, Brad, what's wrong with you? You, you didn't you watch the weather today? Why, why didn't you? Why did you not bring your umbrella with you today? What is wrong with you? There's no judgment in that. Right. It's a simple act of extending kindness, extending gratitude, extending presence of mind in the moment to someone else who is in need. And here's what's amazing and transformational about that: it's not expected. It isn't something that you have to do. It's something that you want to do or that you choose to do. And because of that, there's no expectation associated with it. And when there's no expectation associated with something, it's not transactional anymore. It becomes fundamentally transformational. And that's why we love this idea of compassion, in particular at this time. And we've shared this work across the world. I mean, literally. Everywhere from China and India to Panama to the UK to all, almost all 50 states here in the, in the United States of America. And Bob, everybody resonates with this idea of compassion because everybody wants to be seen and valued and feel meaning in their life from those that are around them. So are people naturally compassionate? I, I like to think so. I do. Um, I like to think that that most of us are naturally compassionate towards others, but we've reframed this idea of compassion. Most of the time, the compassion research has been centered in trauma, where something has to have happened, but we've reframed that, and we've made it accessible. No matter if you're a leader in, a, in an organization, or you're a frontline employee, or or you're just at home, and you're being compassionate with your with your family unit, we've reframed that to be proactive. And thinking about behaviors like dignity, authenticity, presence, accountability, empathy, and integrity. Those are the kinds of things that that we think we can extend and discipline. See, dignity doesn't cost any money. It doesn't, doesn't cost me any money to treat somebody with dignity. But I do need to practice it so that it becomes ingrained in the way that I see the world and the ways in which I respond to those around me. You've written and spoken a lot about how in today's world, more than ever, we need leaders who lead with compassion. What does the research show about if you lead with dignity and authenticity, how does that impact people? Well, the, the, the research has been really clear. You know, for example, 78% of participants who said that they had a leader who worked from places of dignity and authenticity and presence and integrity, they, they reported higher levels of engagement. 80% of those individuals suggested that they were happier at work, that they not only were more engaged, but they, they felt better at their work. 63%, get this, 63% of employees who said that their leader worked from a place of compassion, they had better health outcomes. They said things like, I don't feel that pain. I am able to go to sleep at night. They had lower levels of depression. They had overall higher levels of well-being. These things are game changer and they're free. It doesn't cost any money to extend 
gratitude or recognition or compassion to people. It doesn't cost any money for me to treat somebody with dignity, but it can fundamentally shift the way people experience their work. So it's not really just about leadership. I mean, not all of us have business leadership positions, but if we apply these same principles, um, it really, it can work in our own lives. You know, Bob, let me, let me just kind of level with you for a minute. I, I'm a dad. I have a, I have a 10 year old little girl. What would, what would my life look like? What would my home life look like if, if as a father or as a husband to my wife of 20 years, if, if I operated from a place of dignity and I just had dignity for my daughter and for my wife, or I was present when she wanted to talk or when she wanted to tell me a story right. and I had empathy for her in the moment, I think those things would be game changers. So, yeah. so I don't need to be in a leadership position or I don't need to be in a work context for those things to shape the outcomes of my life. I can literally be anywhere and be anyone at any place in the world at any time and extend these six things and fundamentally shift the way that people experience their life. So Brad, can compassion be cultivated? Like, you know, you go to the gym to build muscles and stamina. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just like, uh, just like you would go to the gym and you would, you would work on maybe your, your physical stamina or your endurance. The same things can be said about compassion and, and it really is a state of mind. And so, you know, one of the things that we might suggest is a compassion meditation or just spending a few minutes in the morning, like reframing your day and thinking about, okay, who am I going to come in contact with? Where's the opportunity for me today? In the, in the same way that gratitude can be practiced, compassion can be practiced in the same, uh, sometimes using the same techniques, keeping maybe a compassion journal or in that gratitude journal that you might keep, you might write down some people that you may want to be looking out for or that you can have additional levels of empathy for. Absolutely. Talk about self-compassion. How can we apply those same practices of showing compassion to others, to ourselves? I think this is by far the more difficult because I find, at least in my own life, if, if I was to reflect upon my experiences over the last nine months, and I've actually written a little bit about this, I've had a lot of judgment for myself, a lot of questions. Why haven't I done more of this? Or why haven't I lost more weight? Or why haven't I been to, to the gym more? Or why haven't I written more? And I find that for most of us, we tend to be our own our own worst critic. And so he, here's a recommendation is to reframe, reframe those thoughts and to give yourself some space. And that's why I recommend some quiet time in the morning or, or uh, in the middle of a day when things get really, really stressful and we become overwhelmed that we start to get really frustrated with all the things that are swirling around us that we maybe close our laptop for five minutes and just step away and take a few deep breaths. I wear a device that reminds me of about every couple of hours to take a few deep breaths. And when I first, when I first got the device, I would, um, I would ignore it. I look, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to take a couple of deep breaths. But over the last couple of months, I've really settled into that. And when I get reminded to take a breath or I get reminded to take a pause, 
I've actually, I've actually started to do that. And, and I've found that my, my focus and my presence and my productivity actually goes up uh, because I'm taking a minute, a, a minute to just reflect and think and be versus constantly in a state of doing. And I think many of us, many of us find ourselves in this constant state of doing, 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 doing versus being present in the moment. And the research is clear about this. When we're present in the moment, when we're mindful, when we're when we're living in a place of gratitude and compassion, there are outcomes that benefit not only our work but also our life and our lifestyle. The third important practice that we want to talk about in this episode, I think, is just as important as the other two, and that's self care. What is it? I think self care is uh, is putting ourselves in a place of paying attention to what our body is telling us. I would encourage folks to pay closer attention to the clues that your body's telling you. Mm. If you're really tired in the morning or you feel drained in the afternoon, everybody's got kind of a low energy point of the day. I certainly know that I have mine around 2.30 every day and I just need to like take a break. And so I don't, um, I don't schedule high performance or high production time during that 2.30 window. Another recommendation is to take 10 seconds throughout the day and just do some deep breathing exercises. And, and look, I know for some out there, they're like, ah, oh, deep breathing exercises. You got to be kidding me. I would challenge you to do it. I would challenge you to develop a habit and to practice it for a couple of weeks. And then find me on the socials and let me know what you think and, and how it's working for you. I would encourage you to notice how you're talking to yourself. What are, the, what are the voices or what are the tapes that are playing in your mind? What are they saying? And those little, those little voices inside your head can, can really nudge you in, in terms of guilt and shame or gratitude and compassion. I would encourage individuals to take time for mindfulness, to be mindful in the moment, to take that 10 to 5, 15 minute quick break and then, and then get back into it. I would also encourage folks to things like lavender oil or um, or uh, or essential oils sometimes help reduce people's fears or anxieties. Things like music or the way that your office is set up, all of these little things, they make a huge difference in the way that we not only experience our work, but also experience our life. There's a cost for not paying attention. And, and we know that mechanically. We know that if we don't uh, we don't maintenance our vehicles. Those things over time break down when we run them at high levels, high volumes for long, long periods of time. But we're not so good at taking that same principle and applying that principle to our life. And the truth is that there's a cost for, for running at high levels and high volume for uh, long periods of time without rest and rejuvenation. Self-care is about paying attention to those moments in our life where our body is telling us, we may need to slow down. Yeah. You talked about setting boundaries as one of those kind of key elements. Talk more about that. Yeah. So setting boundaries is about putting in healthy spaces in our life that allow us to do the work or live the ways in which we uh, we are we are strongest. Sometimes, um, Bob, it's about turning your phone off or right, turning right. your email off uh, and just taking an hour to focus in on a priority project. Sometimes it's about not answering your email at midnight or or shutting down um, uh, work at a, at a healthy time. We, we all have times in our lives where we need to extend ourselves in some places where uh, maybe we need to work a little bit longer on a project or start a little earlier on something. Or, or There's always emergencies that come up, but not everything can be that way. When everything is an emergency or everything is heightened or 
we're just constantly going all the time. Our brain actually resets to a new normal. And that new normal is a sense of chaos where we're constantly being flooded with stimulus. And our bodies over time will break down by reacting to that, both mentally, emotionally, and sometimes even we, we find that there's, there's social disengagement that happens with people in their families or in their communities or, or at work where people begin to kind of push away from the table, theoretically speaking. We all have these great intentions, and especially at the beginning of the year, we have these great intentions to become better, and yet we often see so little progress. What can we do about that? Keep at it. Keep keep at the habit, uh, right. and and maintain the sense of routine. It takes a little while to develop um, to develop a practice. Whether we're talking about gratitude, whether we're talking about compassion, or whether we're talking about self care, but my recommendation for everybody listening is that you would make space for yourself in your life, someplace to do something for yourself. And it maybe for you, it's taking a walk, it's going to the gym, maybe it's developing uh, healthier eating habits, maybe it is putting in healthy boundaries around your email or your work time so you can spend some time with family or friends or your community. Maybe it is, um, it's, it's about that gratitude journal and spending 10 minutes a day, Bob, 10 minutes a day can fundamentally shift the way that somebody experiences the rest of their day. It's just 10 minutes. I think the, the most fundamental and transformational thing that I found over the course of, of my research has been that things like compassion actually change the way people live their life. And what I love about that is that it's not only centered on me, but it's also about those around me. And when I am coming from a place of gratitude, when I'm grateful for what's around me and I'm present in the moment, I'm present with my family and with my coworkers, and I'm, I'm living this right now versus worrying about what could be or or the or the things that are in the past i not only live life a little bit differently but i'm also able to extend that to the people that are around me and the research has been really clear i think sometimes these things can feel fuzzy and soft and we can think of it as we can just we don't these are the first things to go look i don't have time for 10 minutes i don't have time to take 10 deep breaths i don't i don't have time to think about the voices in my mind right now or, or to be grateful or extend recognition to somebody else but we know that when we when we do those things we fundamentally shift the way that our mind thinks the way that our our bodies operate and the way that our life trajectory and I would encourage I, I would challenge everybody listening to this today to find one habit one habit over the next couple of weeks that you're willing to commit to to settle into and write it down these things matter and the research is clear gratitude compassion and self-care change the way that we see and experience life for us but also for those around us Dr. Brad Chuck, I am very grateful for you and your work. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for having me. There are also some specific things that HPE team members can do to intentionally engage in showing gratitude, looking for opportunities to be more compassionate, and making self-care a priority. By folding these daily habits into our lives, we can all take huge steps towards happier, healthier lives, and it also impacts everyone around us. HPE team members, if you want to find out more about these topics, be sure to check out the latest WellAware newsletter that is scheduled to arrive in your inbox in late January. We dig into more about the scientific benefits of incorporating these practices into your life. 
We also invite you to join a 30-day challenge that can help you make these practices a habit through small actions every day. And HPE just released a new set of recognition e-cards that you can use to express gratitude and compassion to fellow team members. You can make somebody's day by sending an e-card, and that one small action can also make a big change in your day as well. Search the word recognition from HPE Insider to access the platform and then click recognize someone to try out these new cards. I challenge you give it a try. Speaking of gratitude, my sincere thanks to Dr. Brad Shuck for being with us today. And as always, thank you for making the time to listen. Please leave a comment. Let us know your thoughts. Until next time, please take time to show some gratitude and compassion and take good care of yourself. Let's talk again soon.